Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Mas. My name, of course, is Seth Bell. Thank you guys for joining us and uh, being here for all of our World Cup coverage. It looks like it's going to be just me this evening. Um, I thought Jacob Earl might hop on. There's a chance they might still hop on as well, um, depending on what their plans are for the evening. But either way, I am here to talk about the finale of groups C and D uh, from today. And man, it was just absolutely uh, bonkers watching uh, the early matches, looking at the drama there, then looking at the drama unfold. Uh, as Group C finished out the day, there was obviously a lot going on in Group C today. Um, but we'll start with Group D. Those were the early matches this morning. First one, Tunisia, France. Um, we talked about this one a little bit yesterday, heading into it. You talked about whether or not France was going to rest people. Were they going to rotate people in? Were they going to try to, you know, close out the group on, you know, with a third win? And they clearly didn't do that. Uh, if you saw the starting lineup today, you could uh, you could see that France made the decision to go ahead and rotate nine players out of their starting lineup, which was just an absolutely massive change. And it, while it didn't make too much of a difference in terms of you know how France controlled the ball and what they what they how they tried to run the match you could see that there was a level of discomfort with some of the players, guys that haven't really been starting for France. And so, you know, that especially early on, they just didn't seem to have a real good rhythm. Like sure. They maintained possession. They passed the ball around a bit, tried to find some openings uh, to get in on goal, but you know, it, they were few, there weren't as many as you're typically used to seeing with, with this French national team. And then, you know, again, they just looked uncomfortable. Um, you look at the starting lineup for, for France, you know, uh, Mandanda was in there in goal, uh, Varane got a start, Kamavinga, you know, Veritu, uh, Kingsley Coman got a start, uh, Guendouzi, like it was just, you know, just wholesale changes throughout the lineup. And so it, it was a very different looking, uh, French side and, you know, looking at, uh, the changes they made, you know, you bring on Mbappe and, you know, just past the hour mark, you bring on Saliba, you bring on Rabio and Griezmann. And, you know, those guys all have the ability to, to make a change or make a difference in the outcome of this match. But at, at that point, you know, 27 minutes to go, France really doesn't have a whole lot to play for in this one. You know, a point would have secured the top spot for them no matter what. Um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it, it it was kind of disappointing to see. I mean, I get the I get the strategy behind it. I get you know resting your guys. You wanted to be fresh for the knockout round uh, on Saturday, and, but you know it just uh, you know I expect a little bit more from France, especially against a side like Tunisia. Um, you know Tunisia they're they're one of the one they're one of the weaker sides in the World Cup this year. They hadn't really done much of note in the in the group stage and you know they <clears throat> picked up a goal just before the hour mark here in this match and you know it was a you know nice goal for for uh for tunisia uh it, it was a it was a moment that that squad is, isn't going to forget you know taking a lead against a side like france and and then carrying that on i mean they dealt with you know attack after attack towards the end of the matches france was you know looking to try to get some sort of equalizer um as unnecessary as it was um and you know france thought they had one 
uh, in stoppage time. You know, Antoine Griezmann had, had come in at that point. Uh, ball was played into the box. Uh, hey, Robert, what's going on, buddy? Uh, Earl, I don't know. Uh, we Our schedule for, for this weekend had me on here tonight, so I don't know what Earl is up to this evening, but I uh, appreciate you being here. Uh, hopefully you had a chance to watch the matches today, either live or on uh, replay. So as we're going through it, you know, we'd love to get your thoughts on some of them. So, um, yeah, you know, Griezmann looked to have a goal there in stoppage time. Uh, the referee had, had signaled goal. They went and restarted play, and then they went to go check the VAR. Um, now, I, I have a problem with this one because there, ha- you know, there haven't been too many calls that I've had an issue with here in the World Cup. There have obviously been a few that we that we've talked about, but. This offside call here that disallowed the goal from Griezmann, I, I have an issue. Now, th- they went and said that the defender didn't deliberately play that ball, that he was forced into, into the path of the ball, and that's how it got played. And And I disagree with that. Um, I disagreed with that decision. I felt like it was a, a well-played ball into the box. Uh, defender went up, tried to play it ball fell to Griezmann and he put the ball in the back of the net. And so, you know, I, I think France has a reason to feel a little bit hard done by uh, with this decision by the referee. And France has actually filed a formal complaint uh, about this decision. So whether anything comes of it or not, probably nothing will happen, especially at this point in the tournament. Uh, it doesn't really affect anything. Tunisia didn't advance because of the disallow goal. Uh, Tunisia is still eliminated. Uh, France still got the number one seed. Nothing really changed, but it's just one of those things where if you look at it from neutral perspective, because that's how I looked at this one. You know, I didn't have a dog in this fight. I felt like France had the better side. They had the better chance to move on and, and pick up three points here, but it was just a bad call. If you ask me, I don't feel like it was right. And that it's delivery deliberately spelled out in the laws of the game and this bad call tough break for, for France. Um, they, they, they fall to Tunisia by a score of one nil France. Like I said, they do still move on. They get the top spot coming out of group D and Tunisia are going home after picking up, uh, their lone win of the tournament against uh, one of the best sides, uh, here in world cup 2022. Um, the other match in Group D, this is where most of the drama was at. Uh, Australia and Denmark, uh, both of them had a shot to come out of this at, with the number with the number two the number two seed. Apologies, um, Australia could have potentially ended on. Uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Australia, you know, obviously had a chance to to pick up some spots. Uh, or, gosh, I do apologize. I'm. My thoughts are racing ahead because there's so many, there's like so many different things that like I want to talk about that I want to bring up and you know um, Australia had a chance to pull even with France on on points um, they would have needed a significant win to pass France in goal differential mainly because of the their loss to France early on um, and Australia is a side you know this again this is a side that not many people particularly myself thought a whole lot of Australia coming into this. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they came out, they looked strong against France early on, then surrendered the goals. They played well against Tunisia, picked up that win there. Then they played well against uh, Denmark here today, picked up another second win of the tournament. And you're right, Robert, Denmark looked absolutely toothless in this. Um, 
Socceroos played really well. They, they really did. Um, and you know, this is a Denmark side that I felt should have performed a lot better than what they did here in the group stage. Um, I feel like Australia was beatable for them. I feel like Tunisia was easily beatable for them. But Denmark just looked terrible the, the entire tournament, um, which is really disappointing. Uh, you know, you look at that lineup that, that they threw out, like, you know, Kasper Schmeichel, Lindstrom, uh, Martin Branthwaite, Braithwaite, uh, Erickson, Hoiberg. Like, they had guys who could put the ball in the back of the net. They had guys that could come out and, and make a difference for them, um, particularly against these other two sides. And I don't know. I, I can't explain it. I mean, they just – they had nothing in the attack. They had nothing working for them. And, you know, Denmark falls today 1-0 – to to France, I'm sorry to to Australia. Australia gets the number two seed coming out of Group D. Uh, Australia will play on Friday. I uh, say Saturday. Uh, France will play on Sunday. So, a um, little bit surprised by Australia in this. You know, uh, I'm glad to see it. You know, this is a. I believe they're the first team. I saw it said earlier. They're the first team to come out of the out of the Asia Pacific region to make it to the round of 16. Um. So, I mean, congratulations to them. Fantastic showing for them. Um, what happens with them in the, in the knockout stage, who knows? Maybe they have a chance. But the problem there is that they're going to go up against Argentina. And after that, you know, and we'll go ahead and move right on to the Group C here. I mean, Argentina, um, Poland, this is a match that Earl dubbed last night, the AARP match. Um, you know, you had a soon-to-be potentially retiring uh, Lionel Messi or MLS bound Lionel Messi, I should say a potentially soon to be retiring Robert Lewandowski guys who may never step foot in the world cup again. And so, you know, Poland, Argentina, this came out and like, I watched, I had, so I had this on one screen. I had the Mexico uh, Saudi Arabia match on another screen. And I watched Poland today because I felt like Poland should have done a little bit better than what they did today. But after that opening day loss or the opening, you know, match day one, I should say for group C after Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia and that, and that shock, like they really turned things around. They started playing better. You could see better deliveries on the ball, better play, more pressing attack, more, op- more opportunities in the box. Um, you know, you look at what Argentina did today. Argentina put 25 shots at goal, 13 of which were on target. And um and and Sesney was on was on track for you know a record day in terms of the number of saves. But um Argentina, man, just Argentina looked absolutely fantastic today. They looked so much better than what they had in the first two matches. And you know, match two was a progression on one, and this would look even better. And so Argentina may may be figuring some things out. Um, you know, you obviously you can't play through Messi a hundred percent of the time. You just can't. Uh, you know, aging superstar. Yes, he is, um, but he is aging. You know, he can't do everything himself. And so, you know, Di Maria got the surprise start today, which I thought was really interesting. He added a, a different wrinkle up top. Um, opened up some spaces for Messi. Um, you know, Julian Alvarez played well. Uh, and it's just, you know, just incredible to see you know, what this Argentina side can do when they're clicking, when they're forcing the issue, when they're getting the ball forward, getting into a dangerous area. You, you saw it cross after cross into the area, putting things into a dangerous position. And I mean, if not for Cessna, he's just standing on its head all day long. Like 
this could have been a, a massive blowout. Um, it, it still took uh, Argentina a while to get uh, on the scoreboard. You know, you saw in the first half there there was a shout for a penalty uh, when oh, just where's my here it is okay. Um, uh, Cesney came off his line to make a save, and you know caught Messi in the face. Messi goes down again. I here's another one. I I, I disagreed with this one. Um, I felt you know if, if it was me looking at this live. Obviously, I don't have the benefit of VAR. The keeper has the right to come off of his line and make a play on the ball. Um, I just, I, I look at this and I didn't see the foul. I didn't see, I didn't see the penalty there. I didn't, I just, I disagree. I disagree because, I mean, I don't know. Yes, there's contact. There's a photo of it over on the FIFA website, but the ball you know, was already past Messi. He, yeah, I just I, I disagree. I, I disagree with the penalty call. I wasn't. Yeah, Messi went down way easy. Messi went down super easy on this. Uh, they award the penalty there, and then Messi tries to go bottom right. Says he makes a massive save. Uh, I believe they said that he's the first keeper to ever save two penalties uh, in the World Cup tournament. So I mean, again, says he just stood on his fucking head today, and you know it's just the, the unrelenting amount of attempts from Argentina finally wore down that back line of Poland and uh, Argentina did pick up two second half goals and they go on to win that one by a final of two nil. Um, just, you know, and so Poland was kind of hanging on here, you know, at the same time, Mexico's plan and Robert, I do appreciate that comment there. Um, you know, Mexico taking on the, a Saudi Arabia team that surprised a lot of people, surprised us and, and pretty much everyone else in the world with the shock win over Argentina. Mexico came out and this was the best that Mexico had looked the entire tournament. And that's not saying a lot because I'll be honest, to me, Mexico had been the worst showing CONCACAF team to this point. Um, even though Canada had been has gone had gone winless and was already eliminated, I mean, I, it just looked terrible. Mexico looked so bad they couldn't seem to get anything right. And again, here in this one, Mexico put twenty five attempts on goal, twenty five attempts, and you know it's it, again it, it took a long time for anything to happen in this match. You know, you could see the Saudis just doing everything they could. They were sitting, they were they were laying deep, waiting for that ball to come in. They were working to try to clear it. And, you know, Tata Martino had these guys ready to go. Mexico had something to play for today. Um, nothing warms my heart more than next than national team failure. Yeah, it's you know, Mexico really made a run of it today. You know, they get the first goal. You think, okay, you know, Poland is down one at this point. Mexico's up one, that goal differential's there. You know, Poland's still up. Poland still got that still got that buffer there. Then uh, then Poland goes down two. Mexico goes up two. It's like okay, well, so you're looking at all the different tiebreaker scenarios now. Like you know, Mexico's just pushing. They're doing everything, throwing everything they can forward. 
except for bringing the keeper out to try to find a way to get that winner. And they were down to the fair play points as far as tiebreaker. And they were talking about it, particularly in the Mexico broadcast. Um, Mexico had been shown seven yellow cards and Poland had only been shown four to that point. So there was a, you know, there were, there was a difference of three yellow cards and that's what had Poland going forward. Uh, Poland picked up a later yellow card, dropped that difference down to two and, you know, Mexico, again, just, they're just constantly pushing, trying to find a way in. And um, you see, like I said, they're just, they're throwing everything forward. They're doing everything they can. And they just, they didn't have enough. And they give up a, a late goal to Saudi Arabia, which puts that goal differential back in play uh, for, uh, for Mexico. They're now, you know, down a goal to Poland. And it just, uh, I mean, th- this was not good. And we talked about it last night. Uh, we talked about what happens with Mexico. What happens with El Tri? What help El Tri? What help? In, what happens with Tata Martino if this goes down? Uh, if Mexico loses this match, if they don't advance the knockouts, and I, I like your comment here, Robert. Mexico needs to swallow their pride and turn toward youth. Even if they miss a cup, they are too old. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't disagree with that with that at all. Um, there are a number of sides that are that are aging out uh, of World Cup being world cup competitive uh you know you see i think i think argentina is aging out of that i think poland is aging out uh i feel like belgium is as well uh maybe even germany too i think germany is a little bit younger uh i think germany has a brighter future than than the others than the other ones do but you got some guys that are aging out you know portugal i think is aging out um but yeah i mean mexico they didn't look good in the qualifying and leading up to uh world cup uh, obviously they lost to us, uh, multiple times over the past year. Didn't necessarily look good. I mean, they were, they were strong enough for CONCACAF, which is, you know, Mexico's always done well there. Um, but at, at the world stage, the best they've ever done is reach the quarterfinals. And that hadn't happened since uh, I think it was 1976. I saw. So yeah, Mexico's got a long way and you know, the, they disappointed massively at the on the world stage, they look disappointing in the few in the lead ups to this. Um, and so again, like I said, we talked about what happens to Tata Martino, and we saw the report hours after the match. Tata Martino is no longer with Mexican, is no longer with the Mexican national team. Um, so I don't know. I mean, now Tata is not a guy that typically sticks around. Um, you know, he stayed with Atlanta United longer than he had anywhere else. And so he's typically a, a few a couple of years in a place and then he moves on. So where he goes from here, I don't know. I'm sure he'll get another national team opportunity somewhere, but where that is, I don't know. And, and where Mexico goes from here, I mean, like Robert said, they need to get younger. They need to play. They need to, they need to, re, you know, build from the ground up. And you got four years to do that. You know, I think if Mexico, brings in a coach that if you ask me better understands the limitations of the players in that, and in, in that squad, then they're going to be competitive again, in CONCACAF. They're going to be competitive again in, in gold cup and they're going to be competitive again. Um, you know, going forward and you're know, looking at the 2026 uh, world cup where you would hope that Mexico does well. Now it'll be, I, I'm curious. I don't know if they've announced it. I need to look it up. How they're going to handle the automatic qualifier for for 2026? Do all three nations get an automatic qualifier? Because that would be really interesting. 
if that was the case. Um, again, I have to look it up. I, I want to make sure that I have that right so that we, when we talk about it next time, um, we know what the situation is. Um, because, yeah, 2026 is going to be a big year for CONCACAF, for the North American countries, to for the national teams to to put on display the best that they can. Um, but yeah, just not good enough from Mexico, not good enough from Tata. I felt like he really went away from what he wanted to do, particularly in the second round. Um, yeah, Robert, that's a good point there too. Nationalize younger players. Now we've seen over the past couple of years, there've been a number of guys with dual citizenship or dual nationality uh, that have had to choose between us and Mexico. And so I think that's something that might, we might see a lot more of it. it might become a lot more competitive for those younger players going forward over the next few years. Um, so maybe that's how Mexico starts to build their, build their sides up. Maybe, you know, I mean, they don't actually have a lot of guys playing internationally, you know, um, we've seen comments from, from some of the bigger talking heads and, and, in the soccer sphere saying that even USL is better than, uh, than some of the, Me- than the Mexican leagues, uh, as far as developing and moving players on. And so, you know, it's, you know, I think it goes to the show. There's a huge difference in where the U S and Mexico systems are right now, uh, to where the U S is finding and developing these kids and moving them on and getting them even more talented. You know, you look at guys like Joe Scally, Joe Scally's still a young kid. Um, Ferrer is a young kid. Um, some of the some of these other guys uh, that haven't really gotten a whole lot of time, that haven't really gotten too many looks, they're going to be instrumental going forward. I mean, what happens with Jonathan Gomez in a couple years? You know, uh, what happens to some of these other kids? Uh, do they do they stick with? Do they go U.S.? Do they go somewhere else? You know, do they take advantage of that dual uh, citizenship or national? Uh, the dual nationalities. It'll be interesting to see what happens, um, but. Mexico is without without a head coach. They are out of the World Cup after a extremely disappointing uh, World Cup showing for them. Saudi Arabia also eliminated despite uh, their showing today. Uh, I mean, Saudi Arabia against one of the surprises of the tournament. Saudi Arabia, they were impressive. They really were uh, a lot at, in the first two matches. They looked really good. Um, so, kudos to Saudi Arabia. Hopefully, they continue to develop those guys and get them more playing time uh, throughout the Saudi league, which apparently Ronaldo's going to Al Nasser. I mean, if I'm getting paid almost 200 million a year, I go to Saudi Arabia too. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Um, We'll see uh, how that affects the the Saudi league over there. Uh, But group C Argentina and Poland advance Poland. I'm more worried about than Argentina going forward. Because you've got Argentina taking on Australia on Saturday. That is a 12 o'clock kickoff for us here uh, in New Mexico. Uh, I've got Argentina in this one. Like Australia has been great. They've looked good so far. They shocked some people. They've played above expectations. But this is an Argentina. Yeah, there you go. Paid. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, this is an Argentina side again. They they've turned it around. They've turned it on since match day one. So I feel like Argentina is really coming into it. I don't see Australia getting past them, uh, but we'll see what happens Saturday noon Mountain Time. Uh, Argentina Australia. 
And then on Sunday, you've got France taking on Poland. Um, I really don't like Poland's chances here. France has been the better side, and you're going to see their full complement of guys on Sunday. Uh, Giroud, Mbappe, uh, all these guys are going to come back in. They're going to get the start, uh, you know, 60, 90 minutes or whatever it is. France over Poland, that is the 8 a.m. Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Mountain Time Sunday morning for France and Poland. Um, so yeah, guys, we're, we're halfway. We're almost there. We got two more days of group play, uh, looking ahead to tomorrow, uh, groups E and F get their final matches underway. 8 a.m. You have Croatia and Belgium. You also have Canada and Morocco. Canada, of course, already eliminated from world, uh, from advancement. Uh, let's see where everyone else is sitting. Croatia sitting on four points. Uh, Morocco sitting second with four points as well. There's a one goal differential. Uh, there's a one goal difference there between the two sides. Belgium sitting third on three points. Uh, they are three goals back of Morocco there for for the second spot. Now, again, these matches tomorrow, uh, Croatia, Belgium, uh, a win or a draw for Croatia, they're in. A, a win for Belgium, they're in. Uh, per, uh, yeah, win for Belgium, and they're in. Croatia, um, a win or a draw, and they're in as well. So, um, I mean, they even could potentially get in with a loss, but that would also depend on... Uh, that would depend on the result of the uh, Morocco-Belgium game. So um, interesting matches here. Uh, I feel like Croatia has the has the better shot over Canada here. Canada, to me, Canada's looked better than Mexico, but they haven't done anything. They haven't uh, shown up enough in this tournament. Um, I saw a thing earlier. Alfonso Davies apparently getting blasted in Canadian me- in Canadian media which is absolutely ridiculous. Alfonso Davies is the best per- kid on that side. Like he is the future for the next four, maybe eight years of Canadian soccer. Um, so, you know, it's uh, th- these guys that are saying something, you know, and w- one of the few appearances Canada's ever had in the world cup, like forget it. Like this is Alfonso Davies should not be blasted for this. I mean, it- it's just, yeah, it's not necessarily a tough, it's a pretty hard group that they're in. I mean, you look at Belgium and Croatia, two very good sides. Uh, I feel like Belgium's played down a little bit this World Cup, uh, this World Cup to their opponents. Morocco has been a bit of a surprise. Um, so Croatia, uh, Canada on uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, I'm sorry, Croatia, Belgium tomorrow morning. Uh, this is going to be a crucial match. Um, I don't know about Belgium. Belgium has played down, like I just said. Uh, I feel like Croatia has the edge here. Again, winner or draw. Uh, Croatia is guaranteed a spot. Um, and then, uh, so I would lean towards Croatia in that 8 a.m. match. That one looks like it's going to be on Fox. And then on FS1, Canada, Morocco. I mean, I hate to say it, but you know, I, I favor Morocco here. Um is there a chance that Canada could win this? Absolutely. They, it would be an absolute spoiler if Canada picked up a win in this one. Um, but 
even if Canada wins, Morocco still can go through if Belgium loses or even has a draw with Croatia. So um, expect Morocco to be playing hard, pushing for that win uh, to try to secure that spot in the knockout stages. Um, so FS1, 8 a.m. tomorrow, uh, Canada, Morocco. And then, of course, the 12 o'clock matches. This is where things get interesting. Group E, all four teams still in contention uh, here in Group E. Uh, Spain leads the group on four points. Japan sitting second on three. Costa Rica on three points with a negative six goal differential. Um, they have a long way to go <laughs> uh, if they end up level on points with either Spain or Japan. And then Germany still in contention, one point currently, uh, no wins so far. Uh, so noon tomorrow, you've got Japan and Spain. Japan is, again, another surprising team. Uh, I feel like Spain is hands down the better side, but Japan has surprised some people. Uh, they've surprised us, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. That, that's Yeah, exactly. This right here, Robert, it's laughable. Canada and soccer typically don't, don't typically go hand in hand. They should be thankful. They absolutely should. They should be absolutely thankful that they're even in the World Cup, that people are even talking about Canada. They really should, you know. Um, most people, honestly, most people don't even know that there's a Canadian Premier League. So, you know, it, it's just, it's disappointing. It's really disappointing to see what's happening to Alfonso Davies. Uh, so, yeah, Japan, Spain. I feel like Spain's got the edge here. Uh, Spain is an extremely talented side. Um, but, you know, I mean, this could be one where they, where, I mean, I don't think Japan pulls the upset, but they've already done it once. So uh, keep an eye on this one. I, I think, I mean, honestly, if you can watch both of these matches, because I think Costa Rica, I don't think they have a shot against Germany, but if Germany can't figure their stuff out, they got a problem. They got a problem, and I think they may see a coaching change as well if they don't if they don't move forward here. But it was it's going to take a pretty significant effort from Germany uh, to top Costa Rica here. Um, Spain is in with a win or a draw. Japan, uh, a win and they're in. A draw depends on the results from Costa Rica, Germany. Costa Rica is in with a win. Uh, provided Japan loses or draws. Um, if Japan and Costa Rica both win, Costa Rica would have to win by minimum seven goals over Germany, which I don't see that happening. Um, Germany is in with a win if Japan and Costa Rica both lose. So there are still things to, to be played for there in that group. A lot of things to watch out for. I think Germany is going to beat Costa Rica. Um, I just don't think Costa Rica has what it takes to get out of that group. Going to be a lot of fun. Um, let me double check that broadcast schedule. Japan, Spain is on Fox, Costa Rica, Germany, FS1. So keep tuned in for those tomorrow. We have eight more matches in the group stage, guys. And then we're on to the knockouts this weekend. And uh, it's can't wait to see what happens. It's getting down to the nitty gritty. Like, I mean, really, we have eight matches, uh, eight, 16, 20, 
22, 23 matches left. If my math is quick, if my very quick math is correct. So we're almost done. We're over halfway done with the world cup already. Like granted, we still have, we still have a couple weeks of soccer, which is fantastic. So, um, Really looking forward to tomorrow and Friday. Day, Friday, uh, Group G and H closes out the group round on Friday. So, guys, that's it for me. Um, so much, to, so much that we've talked about over the past week and a half. So much more we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. Um, we still haven't gotten a whole lot of United news. Um, no roster news. We do, we do have some players up for goal of the year and uh, save of the year. Alex Tambakis is in the voting three times uh, for save of the year. Nico Brett, at least Nico Brett is in for uh, goal of the year. So uh, go vote, get those votes in. And uh, guys, until tomorrow night, Robert, thank you for being here. Appreciate you as always, man. Um, until tomorrow, somos sonidos.